Nice to see a few more faces here tonight. Um, hello to all of those on the computer as well. Um, hopefully in another few weeks we will we'll all be back together. Um, so I've been promising to speak on rebellion again. You know, and <laughs> it's such a fun topic. Why would I delay? Um, so I'm going to keep my six feet but from everyone so you all feel safe. Um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to start before I say anything else. Um, that this, this sermon has been really hard to prepare. And, um, and part of that is, you know, I don't, I don't want to get something from Scripture or get something from, from the Lord and, and not kind of have worked through it myself. And so when you... You deal with anything like rebellion or humility or you know, any of these things, they can be really hard because you kind of have to work through them um, first. In the hopes that when I, when, I, when I come to speak to you guys, I've, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do things that I've done already, I guess. Um, but I wanted to say as well, you know, when you, when you talk about rebellion, it's, it's, it's quite easy um, to feel chastised. Or rebuked, <laughs> um, if if there are parts of your life that are not lining up with what God says, um, and and for the last few weeks, I, d- I just I wanted to say up front that this hasn't been my experience. I've I've felt such a gentle, um, such a gentle welcome by Jesus to to go through this topic and to. Be looking at my own life, um, and and he's just I just I've just felt him saying over and over again that to you know to root out rebellion, to 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 give up those things that that have this kind of stamp of rebellion is just is basically to be giving him the things in my life that are causing death ultimately, and and to get life back in return. And and so you know, in no time, anything that I say tonight, I don't want you to kind of feel that this is a rebuke. Uh, except for Matt, that, you know, the Lord is gentle. Um, and we're still trying to work out if this is a coincidence, but yesterday Matt got a really sore neck, completely randomly, wasn't doing anything. And of course you know from Scripture that the Lord talks about the rebellious and the stiff-necked people. And so <laughs> we <laughs> we're going to see how his neck feels at the end once he's repented. But... Um, <laughs> we'll just have to see. Um, so, I'm obviously I talked about this two weeks ago, and so just a, a reminder of one or two things before I jump into some scripture. Um, the, the the well, the first thing like re- rebellion is is obviously it's a part of so many other things, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've prayed into it and read scripture, it it feels like it's at the center of a spider's web. And so many other things um, flow out of it. You know, this, the desire for control, for, um, for pride, arrogance. Um, so many other things flow out of it. Um, deception. Um, and, you know, I can't possibly cover all of those things. Um, but what I said two weeks ago, and just to remind us that the more I look at rebellion, this, this What's encapsulated for me is this, this idea of that we, we place ourselves at the center of our lives rather than God. That when, whenever you start thinking in terms of I, 
It's a, it's a good sign that rebellion is present. That I want this. I need this. This is what I expect. Why, why aren't people treating me like this? Any, any time that we bring ourselves kind of into the center, it's, uh, it, may be, it may be a sign of, of rebellion. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it seems like quite a strong thing to say that, you know, the, the rebellion, it really, it really is rooted in darkness. It's rooted in the kingdom of darkness. And um, I'm not going to read it now, but if you, um, you know, if you have time, you read the, the account of Satan falling from heaven in Isaiah 14. And the, and the, and the, the, the verses um, 12 through 14, I think there's six eyes in there. Where Satan's saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to set my throne above God's. It's all about making ourselves God, essentially, in our lives, instead of Jesus. Um, and as, as, I, as I speak today, you know, one of the, one of the things about rebellion, um, and maybe some of the things that I'll raise today, but they, and this might just be, be me, but they really make me squirm a little bit. Uh, that's an American word too, isn't it? Squirm, uneasy. Um, it's like, ugh, you know, that thing. Oh, that's me. And this kind of squirm factor. Um, as I looked at different examples, um, but as I said, you know, I, I never felt God saying, you know, chastising me, just drawing me into more freedom and more of Him. Um, so the, the main scripture we're going to look at is in, obviously, 1 Samuel 15, um, because that's just the best scripture on rebellion that I, I, I think that we can find. Um, so you can turn there. I'm going to actually go through it bit by bit, um, rather than reading it all through. Um, but a few sort of preambles, okay, for us to think as we think about rebellion. Um, it manifests in a whole host of ways. Hey, Joe. Yeah, so this is a great conversation to have with your kids, isn't it? Okay, yeah, rebellion. Um, so, obviously, it's a refusal to follow God's commandments. It is a life ruled by our own opinions, our own desires. When we, when we um, see rebellion in terms of relationships, we're likely to see a high level of control, emotional manipulation, um, and often power struggles. Obviously, as well, there is um, active and passive resistance to those in authority. Um, and again, if I had, like, if this was a conference and we had the whole day, I'd go into each of these in detail. And active rebellion is, is easy to pick up. You know, Luke, you're in the military, active disobedience, you know, you disobey an order, you get in trouble. Um, passive rebellion. Um, when someone asks you to do something and your heart gripes and you have a critical spirit towards your leaders, when you are reluctant to obey. And I think, you know, when we think of rebellion, some, some are easier to see than others. Um, we can obviously, when we rebel against God's commandments, those are obvious, okay? Um, the, th the things that are more subtle, we, we call them um, entitlements. Um, and this is an area where, where I've really struggled. Um, and some of these may be quite subtle. They might, might be hard to see. Um, but again, they, they, they place ourselves at the center of our lives. 
Um, so you know, the classic ones are the, of entitlements is, I have the right to, it's that kind of idea. Okay? I have the right to my time. It's a good one for introverts. Or maybe for extroverts, I have the right to spend time with lots of other people. Um, I have the right to comfort. I have the right to money. I have the right to financial security. I have the right to be recognized more. I have the right to criticize others. I have the right to demand people's attention. I have the right to be respected. Um, I, went, I went on a men's weekend once and um, we were given a double-sided page of entitlements that men commonly have and it was in really small print, like 10 font. Um, and it was laid out like just columns. <laughs> it was frightening how many things there actually were. And you know, once again, this kind of check boxes. I was like, man, I'm checking far too many of these. But it's all about, again, just placing attention on, on ourselves and not living sacrificially, not having our focus on Jesus. Um, so, as, I'm, as we go through Samuel, um, and just as I keep speaking, I, I want you, because I think we're going to have a time to pray at the end, I, I want you just to be thinking about parts of your lives where maybe those entitlements are sitting comfortably. Um, those habits that you don't want to give up. Um, before I talk about Samuel, there, there is one other thing. Um, a lot of a lot of rebellion is rooted in entitlement. It's rooted in arrogance, in pride, in those sorts of things. There's another side of rebellion, though, which is, again, harder to define. Um, but it, 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 can come through, um, it can come through us being wounded in life, which we all do at some stage get wounded by people, by circumstances. We get hurt. And what that causes us to do is to self-protect and maybe go into independence and keep people away. And of course, Jesus calls us into community. He calls us into intimacy. He calls us into vulnerability. And so quite often we can have things in place, these defensive defenses in place, which again, God understands. But these can still form rebellion in our lives because we are not being obedient to him. We're not willing to lay down our lives because we're not willing to be hurt again. Um, so again, um, just be aware, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak if, um, if that resonates with you at all. And as I've said, in all of this, Jesus is offering us his life. All we're doing is giving up ultimately stuff that robs us of life, even as we think that it actually protects us or gives us control. I've just... I've just sensed the Lord saying, and this is maybe just to me, and I'm the only one in this church, but, but it's, it's been really exhausting, um, being in rebellion. <laughs> it's been really exhausting trying to keep control of so many things. And even when it's defending my stuff, you know, my time, my this, my that, it's exhausting. Rather than just letting Jesus be sovereign and give him everything. Right, guys, so Samuel. Um, I just want to point out, um, 1 Samuel 15 is kind of where things get really ugly for Saul. A quick pointer for you to read later is uh, 1 Samuel 13, where Saul first gets things wrong, 
Um, and again, it is a, a form of rebellion, and it's one I just want to point to, okay, because um, Saul gives an unlawful sacrifice. He disobeys Samuel. He gives a sacrifice that he has not been given permission to give. Um, but what's, what's interesting, and I kind of feel sorry for Saul in, in this case, is that you know, he's, he's about to go into battle, and he doesn't want to go into battle without being sanctified before God without sacrificing before the Lord. Um, he has a really good reason in his mind. But he goes against what the prophet of God has told him to do. And in doing that, he elevates himself, he elevates his own view, and he elevates fear above what the man of God has told him to do. And that sin is when Samuel tells him that his line will not carry on. His son will not inherit the throne. That's a pretty big judgment. His rebellion in Samuel 15 is when the beginning of the end of his own rule is marked by God. So, and I'm just going to, I'm going to take snippets of this, okay? Mostly um, reading kind of halfway through Samuel 15, once Saul's already done everything kind of wrong, Okay, and I, there's just four or five things here I want to draw out, and I, I want us to, it's easy to say, well, that was Saul, you know, we know he was bad, we know God judged him, um, but I want us to hear our voice in Saul's voice, if we can, right, if we will be humble enough to do that. So Saul's ordered to attack the Amalekites, he's ordered to destroy everything, people, men, women, children, infants, animals, and their king. This is one of those scriptures that's hard to take. You know, God just calls for the complete and utter destruction of the Malachites. So the first thing to note is um, Saul is blind to his own rebellion. And this is one of the difficult things about rebellion. It likes to be hidden. So Saul fights, Saul wins. Samuel comes to the camp after victory and, and he says to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. First thing to notice about rebellion, it, is, it, uh, it hides, we can be deluded to rebellion in our lives. Saul is blind to the fact that he got this wrong. All right, he's won a victory, he has killed the enemies of God's people, he's done at least most of what God's told him to do. And, the, and it begs the obvious question, are there parts of our lives where we are in rebellion and we don't see it? And of course, that's a tough question because like, how do you see things that you don't see, Tyler? You know, it's a tough question. Um, but then the, the next thing to do is to say, well, you know, if, Lord, if the Lord wants to bring us out of rebellion, then we only need to ask. And just as Saul had Samuel to call him to to bring him into correction, we have the Holy Spirit who will bring us into correction. Unfortunately, not with the, uh, with the result that Saul faced. But, uh, but I want us to be real here. Um, this is one of those areas where we can, you know, we, can, we can pray, we can get on our knees, and we can say, Lord, show us. But he's only going to show us if we actually really want to get rid of rebellion. Do we actually want to be rid of it? And that's a question that I've been asking myself a lot. Do I really want to give up control? Do I really want to give up these entitlements? 
Do I really want this? And as soon as you kind of have that question or you think, well, actually, I think I'm doing okay, then maybe rebellion has a stronghold in some part of your life that you need to decide what you want to do with. Run with it or give it up. Give it up knowing that you're going to get life in return. And I, as, I've, as I've been wrestling with the scripture, you know, and, and these, these, these desires for control, for financial security, for respect, for prestige, whatever it is, that put, make me put me at the center of my life, like accumulate all of these things, control all of these things, and then kind of give Jesus what's left. Rather than giving Jesus everything, Oh, and getting life and peace in return because he's in control. <laughs> so, picking up, um, picking up the story, Samuel is obviously not blind to Saul's um, actual, the truth of his actions, and he immediately rebukes Saul. And he says, what then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? So Saul is blind, Samuel rebukes him, and Saul's response is just like in chapter 13, it's a religious excuse. He hides behind religion. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. This is not rebellion. Like, this is a good thing. The people love God. They want to sacrifice the best to him. What's wrong with that? But just like in chapter 13, he has put his desires, the people's desires, above what God told him through Samuel. So Samuel rebukes Saul. He says, be quiet. This guy, he's pretty tough with the king, isn't he? Be quiet, he says. And he asks, well, why have you disobeyed God? And I, I, I just want to go back, before I get on to the next, next part of that chapter, I want to go back to what I said two weeks ago, um, that even as obedience is central to what um, Samuel rebukes Saul for here, um, I, I don't see obedience as the opposite of rebellion. It is an absolutely key part of rebellion. If you're disobedient, you're clearly in rebellion. So obeying God is vital, but it, obedience is not the starting point, right? Obedience is something that flows from the greater call, the greater commandment. And, you know, remember what, um, what Scripture says in Deuteronomy 6, 5 and 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your houses, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So obedience is central. God obviously tells his people to obey, but that obedience flows out of love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is central to what Jesus tells us, and I'll read that at the end in John 14. It's scripture that we see as well, this idea in Jeremiah 33. We see it again in Hebrews 10. This idea that obedience is rooted in love. 
Right, so we're not obeying as sort of religious exercise. We are obeying because it is a response to love. And as as I was reading that scripture, I, um, I, I had this I had this this flash, this picture, and this is just the men in the church. So maybe rebellion is more a man issue than a woman issue. I'm not going to claim that, but it's probably true. Um, but I had this picture of 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 men. Um, digging around in this huge trash can trying to find food. Um, and the Lord's saying, like, this is where your control is. This is, this is what rebellion looks like. These are your entitlements. It's trash. And behind the, these men was this banquet table laid with the finest of foods with Jesus there. You know? And just saying, if you come to me, this is what life looks like. Stop scratching around in the trash. So let's get back to Saul's response to Samuel's rebuke. <laughs> the hidden rebellion, the, the reluctant obedience. He says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. And again, I, I wonder if you can hear your voice in Saul's. Um, the kind of the whining. It's like, look at what I've done. Like you're focusing on the negative, but look at what I've done. I've obeyed God. I've gone to war. I've fought. I've spilt blood. You know, this is not an easy thing. Look at what I've done. And all I've, you know, I've kept animals for sacrifice. This kind of whining, you know, why aren't you happy, Samuel. But again, we see this lack of honoring God. Saul doing what seems best to him and wondering why God is displeased. And I see this in my own life again. Maybe it's not always outright rebellion, but this, this idea of doing things and then asking God for his stamp of approval, you know. Oh, Lord, I hope you bless this. I hope you're with this. Whereas I've been quite happy just to run with my own voice. In the next verses, we see um, Saul go to the next level of defense. But the people took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gigal. So again, he's blaming the people. He goes from just the religious exercise nights, but it's the people's fault, which is kind of weird. You know, I, I kind of feel if he'd at least laid claim to ordering that, maybe there would have been more forgiveness for him. But he blames the people. Religion, religious excuse, the people excuse. <laughs> How can God be upset if we're honoring him? And then we get what is still one of Scripture's scariest passages, passages for me. Reading from verse 22. But Samuel declared, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience to his voice? Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice, and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance is like the wickedness of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's just a scary scripture. 
When I, when I think of the times in my life when I rebel against what I feel God calling me to do, and maybe I can get rebellion right. I'm pretty sure, I'm, pretty sure I'm arrogant <laughs> several times a day as well. Um, and I love this scripture because it, it, it draws us into the seriousness of Saul's sin, but also to the seriousness of rebellion. You know, none of us in this church will run towards witchcraft. Yeah, it's one of those things, it's like the worst of the worst, isn't it? It's like, I mean, we're not supposed to rank sin, but if we did, that would be like one of the really bad ones, wouldn't it? It's like, that's satanic. That's like just blatantly bad and evil. Rebellion, it's kind of in the middle somewhere. Let's be honest. You know, it's not that bad. And, and Samuel brings these together, and he gives Saul a reality check, and he gives us a reality check. Because re- rebellion, it's, Saul's heart is exposed that his heart is not to love the Lord his God with all his soul and his strength, with his heart. He just does the things that he thinks will be right, but ultimately he does what he wants. He's at the center of his life. And Saul's words, they, re- they reflect those amazingly powerful words from Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And just when we kind of think Saul's done, he finds another excuse. <laughs> But again, you know, can we hear our own voice? Because finally he actually repents. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's commandment and your instructions. And again, you think, now's the moment maybe where grace will be extended and forgiveness will be extended to him. But again, for Saul, there's a but. Because I feared the people. And obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. He gets so close, in the middle of asking for forgiveness, he blames other people. He blames fear. But I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I know there have been so many times when I have not done what I felt the Lord telling me to do because of what other people would think. I see myself in that. <laughs> so Saul's plea is rejected by Samuel. And he says in verse 26, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected you as king of Israel. And that marks the beginning of the end for Saul. Samuel goes on to anoint David as king the next king. But one final thing again to to pick up here. This is a fairly bloody verse. Um, But just as as those those verses that talk about rebellion as witchcraft, um, I think that the verses 32 and 33 where Samuel deals with Agag, I think are meant to again draw us into how seriously we we should view rebellion. Because Samuel doesn't say to Saul, fix your mistake, take care of the king. This man of God, this prophet of God, the judge of Israel, takes the responsibility. He says, bring me a God, king of the Malachites. 
Agag came to him cheerfully, for he thought, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel declared, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among you. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. And that just struck me. It doesn't say he killed him or his life came to an end. It's like he hacks him to pieces. And I just, again, I feel the Lord saying, this is, the scripture is there because Samuel wanted Israel to see. He wants us to see that this is the attitude that we should have towards rebellion. This is the attitude that we should have towards those things that would prevent us from loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and strength. And scripture says, Samuel never saw Saul again. Saul was cut off from the voice of God. Now, praise God, (laughs) we live in the New Testament. We have Jesus. We are never cut off. Our rebellion does not cut us off from God. Jesus offers us life. But let's not, let's not lose sight of the fact that rebellion does cut us off from the fullness, that, the fullness of life that Christ offers us. You know, and for some of us, it might be a really small little section of our hearts. It might be tiny. For some of us, it might be significant. But I'm pretty sure none of us are perfect. And there's a part of us that we can give to Jesus. So Jesus says in John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So again, we we see this This mixing of love and obedience. But this incredible promise from Jesus that as we obey him, as we are obedient to his commandments, as we give up our lives, if we are willing to lose our lives, we will gain them. We will gain him as he reveals himself to us. So what do we lose? Our rights, our demands, our plans, our ability to make our own priorities, our being in charge. A lot of these things have been important to me. And they've reflected in my life for years. But in the end, they are exhausting and they just they tell a lie they tell a lie that they bring life because actually they don't they're exhausting but what do we gain if we give up rebellion we gain the revelation of Christ we gain his love his peace his way of being his purpose Our dreams, our priorities start to align with heaven and his life fills us. We can stop striving 
to achieve, but walk in his purposes. Because we can walk with the Savior of the world. Hmm. So, um, Matt's going to be thinking about some prayer now. And um, I don't know how many of you are into zombie movies or series. So forgive me if you're not and you think this is weird. But um, a few weeks ago, I watched a Korean series called The Kingdom. I thought it was about the heavenly kingdom. That's a lie. I knew it wasn't. Um, it was called, it's called the kingdom. There's actually a few things called the kingdom. It's a South Korean kingdom. It's about zombies. Set in, it's, it's awesome. And it's set in the 16th century, because I got guns. 16th century. Korea. And, and it was really bizarre to me. But the one thing, it was a great, it's actually a really great show. But the one thing that struck me more than anything else in that show was the reverence of the people to the king. And there's, you'll have to watch it, but there's bad royalty and there's good royalty. And the supplications and the reverence are there for both. But one is to the bad royalty is so obviously just, it's fake. And it's about survival. And rebellion courses through every character. But the good king, the, one, the man of honor, the people who serve him, the way that they would die for him, it's, just, it's something that's so foreign to our culture. You know, America prides itself on rebellion against the king, don't you? You know? <laughs> that's how you started. Rebellion against the king. Independence. And it struck me just, you know, hour after hour of watching the show, the reverence and the obedience, even unto death, suicide mission, whatever it is, I will do it because the king had told me. And I realized as I was watching this in a really strange way that, that I talk about Jesus being my king, but how much does it actually soak into my behavior and my activities that I am reverent and obedient in all things? And maybe it's harder for us because it's just not part of our culture to lay down our lives for the one that we call king. And it was just such a weird model. And if you're not scared of zombies, maybe watch it. You know, it was such a weird model for me to see this reverence. And this is to an earthly king, a man of honor, yes, but just a man. And, and we're called, we are called to, to give reverence and to give our lives to the king of kings and not a king who lords over us, but a king who died for us, that we would have his life in us. So for the last few months, and I know it's been weird because of this virus and we've been separate and you've had to listen to some of us do sermons over a video, even if you've bothered to listen to them. Um, hopefully many of you have. Um, but we've been, we've, we've been sensing Jesus saying, I'm available and I'm wanting to encounter you more. And, and we've been talking about friendship with God and out of that friendship with God, we've been talking about strongholds and issues in our lives that can stop us encountering more of God. All of this has been about wanting more of Jesus. All of it, about wanting more of Him. Um, and, I, and I asked you for Lent to, to worship 
to increase your worship, if that was something you chose to do as, as a fast. Um, and we've got Pentecost in two weeks. And I, I, I really, I, I ask all of you, just to, to if, you, if you can, keep worshiping. Keep giving the Lord space to be speaking into your hearts. I just, I, I, I want us to be more and more available to Him. We're not ever going to be perfect. You know, maybe we'll be less rebellious and you know, maybe we'll be more holy. I don't know, but we're never worthy of Him. But we can at least say, Lord, my heart is yours. Please, I am willing. Tell me where I'm rebellious. Tell me where I'm falling short. I, I don't want it. I want you. So I would love it in the next two weeks. Let's press in and let's, let's show the Lord we, we want more of him and show him we're serious about that. Maddie? Um, I feel like the Lord has been speaking to a lot of us tonight about um, the stuff he's, he's convicting us on where there's been different forms of rebellion. So I want to take a minute and just um, let the Lord confirm that first of all and, and then respond to him um, individually and then we'll do some corporate um, response after that. Um, so let's take a minute. So Lord, would you just uh, confirm right now conviction that you've been bringing on us tonight individually where our hearts have partnered with rebellion in, in, in whatever facets, whatever that looks like, Jesus. And uh, after he's spoken, um, just begin to repent. You don't have to do it, you know, yelling it or anything. Um, but but let put something on your on your mouth. Um, feel free to respond to him physically as well. You know, get on your knees, whatever it looks like to to express repentance um, before the Lord. So I feel like the Lord had a few things that um, we could repent of corporately that had to do with um, rebellion. So just, just agree with me as I you know, go through that process. Um, Lord, we repent of rebellion when it comes to how we spend our time. Um, Lord, as any time you have asked us to set aside certain time or to do certain things with our time, and we have we've said no, we've done our own thing. 
and walked in independence. Lord, we repent of that rebellion right now in Jesus' name. We surrender um, that stronghold in our heart of rebellion that insists on our own way. We give it to you, Lord, and we receive your forgiveness right now. We receive your grace and your empowerment and your, and your, your cleansing on that space in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And God, we also repent of rebellion in, um, in, in the way that we interact with others, especially in, in not stepping out and sharing the gospel or sharing um, your love, whatever your words with people, Jesus. God, we repent of, of fearing man or fearing looking silly above um, obeying you in that rebellion, Jesus. So we, we ask for your forgiveness, God. We surrender that to you. And, um, and God, we receive your cleansing. We receive your grace and your empowerment right now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. And um, God, we, we just right now um, place our lives before you on the altar. Um, God, take everything, anything you want from our lives and replace it with you, with your kingdom. We just affirm again, Lord, that you are our one desire. A life that glorifies you is what we long to live. And so would you change us? Would you transform us? Would you cut out anything in our lives that doesn't contribute to that purpose you've given us? That we'd be fully submitted to your word, to your voice, to your presence. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, I'm sure there's more, um, more processing with the Lord and dialoguing and repenting. Um, so I encourage you to to stay in in this place of uh, of, of engaging with Him in that. Um, Nick, I don't know if you have any corporate thing you want to do right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you with hearts, Lord, that are broken for the sin of rebellion, Lord, that we've had in our hearts as a body, and the different ways that that's manifested in each of us, Lord God. And publicly, we come before you right now, and we ask as a body, Lord, that you would forgive us for rebellion, for an independent spirit that has kept us from submitting to your will and your ways, Lord God, that has kept us hardened to your heart, Forgive us, Lord God, for taking our own way instead of bending to your will, instead of submitting to you, Lord God. And right now, as a body, we choose to bow our knees before you, bow our hearts before you, Lord God, and submit to your will and your way. And Lord God, I ask that you would change the desires of our hearts, that we would want you, long for you above everything else, Lord. That you would be the one thing that our heart is set on, Lord God. Be the center of our lives, be the center of our hearts, Lord God. We long for more of your presence. We long for more of you. May our actions and our heart line up with that, Lord God. 
Oh, Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you would come in and fill the empty spaces, fill those caverns in our hearts, Lord God, that we try to fill with so many other things and we're still dissatisfied. Be the center of our hearts, oh God. Be the center of our lives, Lord. 